Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. My name is Kirsten, and I'm a producer here at Sunday School. Have you ever found yourself wanting to do things just a little bit different, or maybe wanting to do things really different? That's what we did for this episode of Sunday School this week. Instead of having just one person come on and talk about one subject, we had Kelly Knight, the owner of our brand and owner of the store, come on and talk about everything. This week, we did our own version of Ask Me Anything, where we had people write in from Instagram comments, Zoom chat sessions, asking Kelly all of their burning, metaphysical, magical, mystical questions about the known and unknown. So I hope you enjoy. I hope you get something out of it. And if there was a question that you had that didn't get asked, make sure to visit us on Instagram at modernmystic underscore shop and leave us a question. Uh, We're happy to answer anytime. And if you're in the Atlanta area, uh, feel free to grab your mask and your hand sani and come see us in person from a safe social distance to ask all of your questions about how you can move farther with this work. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoy and have a great day let's do it guys so hi guys on instagram live hi guys on zoom which really whatever <laughs> we're gonna be doing uh just a q a so i've got some questions that you guys have already fielded for me um that i pulled off of like we've got some questions that have been on instagram uh, if you guys have any questions right here on the live, you can pipe in and type your question and Kirsten's going to help me field those. And then all of this is going to be broadcast, uh, in one week time on our Sunday school, um, at modern mystic podcast feed. So we're just do we're just, you know, we're going to ignore those perfection Virgo vibes and just like, <laughs> We're just going to go for it. One of the parts of magic and ritual magic that's most important, I think, is your target. So like what specifically is your target? And if your specific target is, if your target was just like, let's just say, I just want a hot and heavy relationship or whatever, just in that place of just almost anyone or right now I want um, some sort of relationship, then a relationship could come in that isn't necessarily like a long-term relationship. So I would say, I don't know that this is for sure what happened, but I would say for sure, this is why I love to pair divination with ritual. Because for me, what I do is I like to pull cards before my ritual to ask what the highest and best outcome of this ritual could be. And then that, that can help you refine your specific target for the relationship um, or for the outcome of the ritual. And then I would say that um, people, like when it comes to ritual, sometimes it comes back to you, what you've manifested in interesting ways. And I would wait out, wait longer to see, to say that maybe it didn't work exactly how you wanted it because it's, it's like, you can have a soulmate relationship that's only five weeks long. You can have a, um, a really meaningful, powerful encounter that's soul stirring and that's, um, elevating or that's teaching you lessons that doesn't look like you're, you know, mate for life. And so I would also sort of surrender to the fact that, potentially you got exactly what you needed and that this relationship could maybe even clear the way for 
the long-term committed relationship if that is something that you're really looking for. So I would say those two things just to repeat, like make sure that you're really clear on your target with what it is that you want. And I use divination for that with combined with ritual. And then two, like what if the ritual worked exactly right? And it'll be more interesting to me to see who comes in after that, because there might need to be some sort of clearing. Um, Cause especially with our love ritual, you're really pulling up some of that, the darker, more uh, your fears. That's what we do with the, with a lot of our rituals is that transmutation of pulling up the, what you don't want and then transmuting it and transforming it into what you do. And sometimes you need to actually work that out in the 3d and not just in the astral. We've got our book coming out, y'all the spells, spells for modern mystic. It's available for pre-sale. And I have a feeling we're going to be getting a lot of those messages in the upcoming months and, and years. It's like, Ooh, that happened and not, not the way that I thought it would. Um, but that also, I don't know. I feel like that's part of the excitement of life. Like if, if we could predict exactly and lay everything out exactly how it is, that would be a little bit boring. And sometimes we get the, the higher lessons or sometimes we might detour the lessons, you know, it's like, Oh, I just want, you know, just the relationship to come and live happily ever after. And so, uh, I feel like, yeah, whatever's not, I don't want to say all the time, whatever's best happens, but this is also part of the training of, of being a witch or being a ritualist. It's, it's actually really learning how to refine and harness your and direct your energy. And so I think that things like that might happen a little bit more in maybe the beginning steps of the journey, but as you gain more mastery and you gain more spirit allies and you gain more, um, you know, focus maybe, and maybe those sorts of more uh, chaotic outcomes might be less. It's just sort of like I've been thinking a lot about terms and and definitions and categories. Like we were posting on Instagram about like what does a witch mean to you and are you one? Um, to me, an energetic or an energy healer because I am one. So what that means for me is that I can actually um, tap into the physical, energetic, and chakra system of another individual with permission and help to transmute and transform and kind of pull some things off of their uh, physical body, chakra system, orc field, like I was saying, in a way that would, um, with my modality, which is the reunion process, you help clear it from the seed source, which is where it originated, whether it's a past life or whether it's ancestral or this life trauma. and, and then sometimes also in this current incarnation or, you know, we do both simultaneously. And so I think like a energy healer is able to sort of like manipulate and shift and transmute energy on behalf of themselves and others. I guess that's how I would um, define it. I've never tried to define it before. And which is so interesting because um, the first thing that the first kind of title I've ever felt comfortable stepping into is like a, an energy healer, you know, cause that was my first modality was that was, you know, over a dozen years ago. Um, but I never really asked myself like, what does that mean? I was like, well, it means I'm trained in this modality and I did the work that it takes. Um, and then I do think there are probably different kinds of energy healers. I know that there's definitely different modalities is, I mean, and there's more modalities that are being, um, created, you know, every day. Um, but I probably, some of the most common would would be like Reiki. That's what most people ask when I say I do a remote energy work. Like you mean Reiki? I was like, well, kind of just because it's like, at least you're in the ballpark of understanding that it's energy, but not at all like Reiki in the sense that it's completely a different modality. Um, 
I would say, and I actually just had a reading and I was telling someone this, um, I would try uh, several modalities. Like I would actually get worked on and see what resonates for you. So before I learned the reunion process, I uh, was a, I don't know, a client of a practitioner for several years and I used it um, in that way to really it really transforms my life. So that, that modality was resonant and worked well with my system. And so I was like, Ooh, I got to learn this. And I didn't even necessarily learn it so that I could use it for other people. I learned it so that I could work on myself. And then I did, it took a year and a half to get certified. And I did a session a day on myself for like a year, a year and a half. And I was seeing massive changes in my relationship with my family and how I felt and my mindset and um, actually my intuitive gifts opening. So I would say, um, use your discernment to find, uh, ethical and, uh, incredible healers to work with and try different modalities. Try acupuncture, try, uh, Reiki sessions, um, ask friends who they've used. And then I would follow the path of the modality that you believe in, because if you don't believe in it and, and you don't feel like um, it's it's going to work, then I mean, why waste your time? But I will say this. I know I just said try a bunch of sessions. I will say I am very discerning of like who can work on me, like almost nobody. I mean, I remember one time and my, my system will like, even if my conscious mind is like work on me, my system will shut it down. Um, you go, Jamie Butler has been a guest of ours before, and she's a well-known uh, healer and psychic medium. And I was in a class with her once and she was supposed, she was supposed to be like giving us little like tune-ups and, and my energy was like, nope. <laughs> she told me, she was like, you are not having it. Like you do not want me, uh, you know, working with your energy. And I just have to trust that. I could have, you know, there was a time where I would have been like, oh, what's wrong with me? You know, it's Jamie and she's my friend of mine. Like I should, but I was just like, cool. I trust like my, whoever's like guarding me and my higher self was like, not the right medicine for you right now. And, and, you know, I didn't feel bad about it. And I actually was grateful that, cause there was a time I feel like where I didn't have those mechanisms, those fail safes to keep myself protected. Not that you need to protect yourself from Jamie Butler, just for whatever reason, those circumstances were not aligned for, for my highest healing. No, I love that. I think that, um, trust is key in all of this work that we do. Um, yes. And we actually have a question that came in live from clear light creative. She says, hi, I have a question. What gave you the idea for the shop? What kind of rituals did you do to manifest it? How'd she know I did rituals to manifest (laughs) it? (laughs) Um, what was the first part? How did I get the idea for the shop? And then it was the, yeah. So for our store, um, you know, I started out as a, well, I started out as a marketer, marketer really. That was my, my background. But then I trans, I, I was doing uh, a lot of tarot work and I grew a, a pretty large following of tarot clients here in Atlanta until I was doing that pretty much full time. And I realized that there wasn't a place where I could send my clients to for the tools that they, that I thought that they needed to continue the work. So when I did a, do a reading for someone, I love it when I give them sort of next steps or ways that they can continue to take the information and integrate it into their lives. And, uh, there wasn't a place that felt like me, you know, at the time, I mean, I'm still, I guess, young, but you know, I was in my late twenties, early thirties. I was, you know, lived in a loft and was like a young woman and, 
I felt like the places around Atlanta, no shade to them because they've been very successful and they've been around for 30, 40 years, but I didn't feel like my clients would want to walk into those spaces and feel comfortable asking questions and buying those tools. And so I thought to myself, wouldn't it be nice one day in the future to have a place that felt modern and clean and approachable because the other places didn't feel that way to me. So that was the seed that was planted. And then, yes, it's in the introduction. I'm going to, I'm just going to keep pushing our book, but it's in the, it's in the intro to our book, this whole story, the longer version of it. But I did the road opener ritual, um, not for, not to open the store, but, um, I needed expansion and that's what I've learned. So like, um, I learned that when I have depression, it's really because my container is full and I need expansion in a bigger container. And so that was something I learned through this exercise with opening the store. And so I did a road opening ritual and I didn't put like modern mystic shop on the candle or that really wasn't my intention per se. I just wanted expansion and I wanted this energy, this heaviness to lift and I did it. And I get the timeline wrong. Every interview, I probably say a different timeline, but I would say within like a week, I had the money to open the store and probably within six weeks, the store was open. I had very quickly thereafter found our initial location. And so that's why the road opener, we were teaching the road opener ritual to folks even before we opened the store. Brenda and I were teaching that because it's, it's the, I think, I I will say, I think it's our best ritual. Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I think it is a good one. It's like, if you're, it's a great start starter ritual, you know, if you just want, um, opportunity, it's an opportunity spell. And I happened to do it on the full moon, which I think added some potency to it. And I just remember like, just like almost praying to that full moon to just take this depression and just like absorb it and transmute it for me. And I did this ritual, like my life depended on it because at the time it really felt like it did. So, um, and I remember I've told this before, I think, but I was doing the ritual and it was taking forever. As you guys know, sometimes it takes like a couple hours and I had my tarot deck and I was like, okay, what is the outcome of this ritual right now? You know, cause I, w- I was looking for any sign to just give up because it was so long. <laughs> and, um, I pulled the star card and that's my, always been my sign. That's like my fuck yes. Keep going. Like, true north card and I was like okay and then I doubled down I got like that second burst of energy because I was kind of wearing myself out there and I, I fully committed yeah Benita's saying it was a great ritual the first one she ever did yeah and it's in our book the road opener all of the rituals that we that I'll talk about today um yeah for that person actually that um that had that love ritual that worked out and then kind of fizzled. There's a, a ritual that I created and how I actually married Brandon, I believe is a, it's like a ritual for a committed relationship. Uh, that's a, I don't know how many days we put in the book, but I did it for a year. We probably put it for 40 days to do in the book, but um, maybe try that one and see if you get a different outcome. I love that. And then clear light creative, <clears throat> she responded and said, girl, I love praying to the triple moon goddess. Thank you. Love this. Oh, um, good. So you, yeah. You answered her question. Um, one question that we got from Instagram was Miss Nicole Hall, a question that we get so much, especially in the store. What are the best tarot decks to start from for our beginner? So I would say the Smith weight, if I had to pick one and I had to like 
say just like one deck right now. I mean, actually for the past few years, that's been my primary deck. And actually this week is the first time I've ever used that decks for readings for clients. I've always used the wild unknown for my client readings. And, um, this week I decided I've been using, I haven't been really using the wild unknown for myself. And I was like, why am I bringing this old, like the, I don't know. I love the wild unknown. It served me for a very long time. Um, the reason why I would say the Smith weight is just because, uh, the archetype, the archetypal imagery in that deck is really what I think our psyche relates to when we think about tarot. And so you've already kind of uh, the collective consciousness of that artwork is already so easy to download into yourself because it's just the, the, the standard. And a lot of the other decks, I would say as beautiful as they are, they are derivatives usually of that archetypal artwork. So if you can get the imagery down for the, for the Smith weight, uh, then you can more easily translate that knowledge to other decks. Now, I will say, I always say, uh, use whatever deck speaks to you. Like it's an intuitive process. And so for me, I learned with the wild, well, actually that's not true. I learned with the Native American tarot deck, um, but it didn't, it never clicked for me intuitively. It was more of an intellectual, like I knew what the imagery and the, the cards meant, but it didn't click intuitively until I got the wild unknown. And that doesn't give you a lot of information. Actually, the wild unknown is pretty wide open. There's a lot less to work with as far as the symbology, um, which worked for me at the time, because I'm not like one of those readers that knows every single aspect of what the card means. I use it as a gateway to my intuition and psychic ability. So it's just sort of like a doorway. Uh, but that would be my, my long answer. My short answer would be the Smith weight. My long answer would be whatever deck speaks to you. And if you're trying to use a Smith weight and it's not speaking with to you, um, I would try something else before I would think that maybe, um, tarot is not for you. And I say the Smith weight and not the writer weight, just a quick education because the Smith weight is the deck that actually names Pamela, um, Coleman, right? Wait, no, Pamela Smith, Coleman, Coleman Smith, Pamela Coleman Smith, who was actually the woman of color who created the artwork and was erased from the name of the deck for a century. And so we really, or I really push that one. And plus like the colors are softer and just the color stories feel really nice to me. It, ah, I love it. And it's good for Instagram. So if you like to take Instagram photos, I feel like people really respond to the Smithwaite uh, color story. No, it's a beautiful deck and it's not surprising because Pamela Coleman Smith was a, an artist and a designer. Um, she made garments and um, mm. was in fashion and you can, you know, everyone, yeah. all the characters on the deck have this updated uh, fashion. It's actually really lovely. Um, it really adorned. <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. Um, it has yeah, just yeah. a different energy. Uh, I love that. And if you're in the Atlanta area and you're going out um, in the store, we keep all of the decks. They have samples yeah. um, so that you can look at the images before you purchase a deck. And on our website, gorgeous like photography to help you see, like, have, do I connect yes. with this? Yeah, we have videos now too, where we, for most of our decks, I mean, you only probably see like 10 or 12 cards, but it's a video of someone's hand, like pulling the cards. So you can see kind of how they move and, and, and more of the artwork. Yes, it's beautiful. Um, we've got a question on Zoom from okay. Melody. 
Uh, okay. We love Melody. She is a Sunday school regular. It's so good to see you here. Uh, she said, I've recently been called to work with shells and leaves. Do you have any hmm. experience with these? I would, uh, would you seek out a guide before trying these practices on your own? I just started practicing Orisha Tarot last year, by the way. I have no experience with shelves or leaves. So I don't know what to say about that. I mean, just as much as like I've gathered shells before because they've felt good. And the last time I went to the beach, I actually um, brought home like a stick that I found on the beach to be my wand. Um, so I do think, I don't know the answer. Oh, I wish I did. I wish I did. I think that um, trust yourself with how you intuit intuitively want to incorporate these elements into your practice. And I'm also a believer of, um, you know, if you want to find an expert, like that's why I love like some of the rituals that we present because there are some tried and true methods that you can layer to make things more effective. So there's two schools of thought, right? Like I a hundred percent say, trust your intuition. And I do that often. And that's actually guided me. What I what found out, what I found out was following my intuition and then reading books afterwards that I'm already doing exactly how they describe it in the book, which is actually very validating to one's intuition. Um, and I also am super efficient and I want my magic and ritual practice to be as potent and as impactful as it can be. So I think also to learn like how to incorporate these things in a way that maybe other practitioners have used to elevate and amplify your practice wouldn't be a bad idea either. So I would say, just like I tell people with tarot, trust your gut first and follow your intuition and then follow up with like more education and, 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 and learning. But I don't have personal experience, unfortunately, but tell me how it goes. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Melody, when you start reading your shells and leaves, I'm going to be hitting you up uh, so you can look into, peek into the the unknown for me. Well, actually, um, my only experience with shells was when I went, I did get a reading by a voodoo priestess um, when I was in New Orleans. And she's, um, I mean, she's, what is her name? It's the voodoo temple in New Orleans. And I forgot her name, but she was in, uh, I mean, she's been doing this forever. And that's what she used. So what she did was, and you can see if this resonates with you, she had a zodiac wheel that was uh, like a cloth on her table. And then she used shells. I don't think she used leaves, but I think it was like shells, stones, and some other organic matter. And she would shake it and then she would throw it on the Zodiac wheel. And then she did the reading that way. Um, and I think that shells were like water. So I feel like she had maybe four different kinds of things that, that each was um, an element. And she was so right on. Like it was crazy. She did speak in riddles a little bit, but um, the actual information that came through was like, it was so spot on. Like she basically forecasted the equivalent, but like, she didn't say this, but like when we got on Good Morning America and like had a big sale with that, she basically forecasted that in the exact time window, um, which was like incredible. Of course, she didn't necessarily say you're going to be on Good Morning America, but it was like a long, you're going to have this opportunity with millions of people watching and sell blah, blah, blah. It was crazy. And she also knew this is off topic, but she also knew that Brandon like runs a store because it was, she has this little store and she was like, okay, you're going to run the store because you know how to do that. While I take her in the back and do the reading and she left Brandon to like run the store. <laughs> and I was like, how does she know that he, that's what he does for a living. She knew nothing about us. It was so funny. 
That's wild. I remember after you got that reading, you were like so excited and a little shook. Um, and I yeah. think that's a great way to leave a reading. Yeah, right. She was cool. She was cool. I'll go, I've sent some people her way that have gone through New Orleans. Um, and I was going to go when I was supposed to go to before COVID hit, I was supposed to do a conference in New Orleans and I was ready to take everybody in there. But um, she was cool. We've got another question live here from, uh, I think I'm going to mess up the name, so I'm just going to skip it. Um, What is your best advice to someone working with their first tarot deck? Oh, I would say, I mean, this is might be like way out there, but develop a friendship with it. Like I feel like, uh, I mean, I know that they're technically inanimate objects, but I like feel like a pull to my decks, like a, like a relationship. Um, so I would say, however that looks, is like build a relationship with the energy and the spirit of the deck. Cause I think in certain cases, like I can really feel it, like the spirit of it. Uh, so I would say use it every day. Um, like give it a time and attention. When, especially when I first started with the wild unknown, this was, I've never had this experience before this, this is my first experience of this, but like, I would be like at work and I could almost, I could like feel the deck being like, when are you coming home? Like, come hang out with me. You know, like I could feel that pull. Um, and so I, I know that it's possible. So I would say build a personal relationship. Some people sleep with their decks, like under their pillow for a while or next to them. Some people carry the decks with them many places to sort of like incorporate them with their life. Um, and I would also say like pull a card a day and, um, that's the best way to learn, I think, is pulling a card a day. And then if you're not going to take your deck around with you, you can take a photo of that card and put it as your screensaver on your phone and then track that energy of that card following you through the day as the lesson. And it also kind of keeps you, even if it's electronically connected to the deck. But um, yeah, it's like treating it like a new friend that you're trying to build a rapport with and that will be very honest with you, whether you like it or not, sometimes. (laughs) I love that. That's great advice. And we've got some more questions rolling in. Hey, Marie, Mariel Lee says, what are some other ways to draw on the effects of crystals? I typically meditate and carry some of them with me, but I was wondering if I could use them along with tarot or keep them on my desk or windowsill. Yes, 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 yes. So how I like to use crystals with tarot I think of it in two different ways, like what crystals are going to support me and what crystals are going to support my tarot deck. Um, And then what actually three ways, if I'm reading for others, like what crystals will support my, my clients if I'm doing readings. So for instance, um, when I used to be doing tarot readings um, more often, I would have a celestite and amethyst, large pieces in the middle of the table. And for me, that was sort of like calming for the client and then also sort of inviting like the celestial energies and their guides like into the space then i would have for my tarot deck i would have a selenite slab uh, that they would sit on and then i would have a piece of selenite i would put on top to help clear my tarot decks and then for me i have i still have it it's like a brick of, of black tourmaline because i needed most help like grounding and having sort of like energetic barriers. Um, and then like today, oh man, I found this amazing Lemurian quartz that, um, at one of our gem shows today, I just used that. And I felt like it was, it was, I was trying to use that to kind of like, uh, uplift my energetic frequency to kind of almost reach out to the highest 
information I can. So those are ways in which like you can think about like what needs support and like how can these different crystals sort of support you. Um, window cells and stuff like that. Sh sure. But I feel like crystals like to be engaged with. So I keep my larger pieces that like aren't handled. Like we've got amethyst cathedrals and like some larger pieces to really support the energy of a room. But if they're small enough to be held, like I feel, I always feel like that's kind of like the best way is to have contact with them. Um, and I also, this is a personal thing, do what serves you. But like, I feel so bad for crystals when they're like in drawers. <laughs> I like, I don't know. Like it just feels so sad. So I would always just, this is preference or I, this is me probably like projecting onto my crystals. Like nobody puts a baby in a corner or whatever. <laughs> but if you can have them in bowls or out. I just feel like, you know, they, they spend a lot of time underground and this is like their big moment. <laughs> so um, I like them out personally. I love that you said that. So here's one inside uh, perspective from working at a crystal store. Mm. I remember when I first started working here, um, I was like, oh my God, I want all of these. And someone told me, you'll build a supply. After two and a half years now, I, I literally had so many crystals. I didn't know what to do with them. They were in drawers. And about two months ago, I decided to just gift them to people because they were like, did not want to just be sitting yeah. uh, in drawers. And so you're right. They want to be worked with. Um, and so, yeah, if you end up having so many crystals, they sit in drawers, <laughs> give them to people. <laughs> uh, and you know, that's a great thing to do. So I, well, the way that I got into crystals was actually being gifted them. I was gifted specifically selenite, probably, I don't know, eight times, like that one kind of crystal started with Joanne Cohen. She gave me my first crystal and it was a piece of selenite. And then like, people kept, they were like strangers. They're like, I feel like you need this. It was like, it was crazy and a little creepy. So you never know when you're giving someone a crystal, like it might be their gateway crystal. Like you might be their little messenger to say, you know, you, these would really serve you, you know? And selenite's still pretty much my favorite crystal, I would say. I really love it. I don't need the fancy stuff. I like selenite and black tourmaline all day. If I had to pick two. I love that. We actually have another crystal uh, question from Muse Denim. Um, she said she just got the mini mystic crystal collection. Yes. Yes. What are some rituals and practices that you suggest uh, with them? I am so glad you got that. So the, the mini mystic crystal collection, y'all should get it because we only have a limited amount, but these are my favorite crystals and the crystals that I started with. So it's celestite amethyst, like I told you on the crystal table, black tourmaline and selenite and then fluorite. And so I just basically found many little versions of my favorite crystals and we put them together in a pouch. So, so like, here's the thing though, you asked for, she asked for rituals and what was the second thing? Just rituals? Because I don't actually, I might be a strange person, but I don't actually use crystals a lot in my ritual practice. I use crystals a lot um, in like as work tools. So like, what is, like how I was explaining with tarot, like the cleansing properties. The So I would just say um, celestite, I would love to use in meditation. Um, so I would use celestite to help like connect with any sort of guides, angels, ancestors, like high vibe 
uh, interdimensional beings. I feel like that's a good use for that one. Selenite cleansing all day. So you can cleanse yourself, but you can also cleanse objects. Black tourmaline, I love for grounding and protection. So that one you could actually probably keep on your person. It's a small enough piece you can have in your pocket as you're going out into the world. Fluorite, I love... Um, to me, it's a very balancing crystal. So whenever I would feel like really imbalanced or out of whack, uh, I always love to hold the fluorite in my hand as I visualize sort of balancing and um, clearing uh, my, my chakras or almost like redistributing my energy. Did I forget one? Amethyst. Oh, it's just like you always need amethyst, but um, it's a little beautiful. I'm trying to think about, oh yeah, I put, it's like one of those, um, like a point of amethyst. So I could, I would say use that when you're feeling stressed or when you're doing any sort of intuitive work or meditation that could work too. But I don't usually necessarily use crystals in my ritual work personally. Sometimes an altar, I'll throw it on there. Like I have Celestite on my ancestral altar too. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, that's great. And I'm so happy that someone got the the mini mystic collection too. It's so adorable. Um, it's so cute. It's my favorite. It's, I mean, literally those are the crystals that if I only had those crystals forever, that's what I would use. And those are the ones I've used throughout the years. And I was so amazed when I was like finding little versions of them. I was like, I can pull these all together. But the thing is, because they're very uh, unusual that to find those little pieces like that, uh, I can't find them all the time. So we can only make so many. And then once they're gone, they're gone. I love that. Muse Denim says, thank you. Thank you, Muse Denim, for being here and for, um, for asking questions. We've got time for about two more questions. And so the one I really want to ask came in through Instagram on the post. Okay. Um, and she was asking about, she's pretty new to all of this metaphysical yes. stuff and to metaphysics. Um, and she's experiencing what a lot of us do, this feeling of imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, what can people do with those feelings of feeling maybe ostracized or outside of a community that they're trying to become a part of um, and feeling like they're not good enough um, to immerse themselves into this sort of work? So I'm going to give you a few pieces of advice, but this, there's only one that really matters, <laughs> but I'll give you a few to choose from. And this is what we preach day in and day out. And it's personal experience. If you have a personal experience with spirit, with a ritual, with a crystal, with a deck, with a reading, those personal experiences are going to be undeniable. And, and it's going to build your confidence because once that knowing and that experience drops within yourself, there's no shaking it. It's, and so that's why as much as like, you know, reading books is great or watching YouTube videos or like learning the information is uh, helpful for certain folks, but doing the work and giving things a try and having that experience will raise your confidence and no one will be able to shake you because it's your truth now. Like you've had that experience. And that's why like our book is like, it's 25 experiences that we're offering you there. Um, in addition to some information, but most of it, like 90% are experiences. And so, and that's really how I've come up. Like I'm, Brandon's a student for sure. Like he has encyclopedia knowledge and, like, and tons of books. And then he has experiences. I learned through doing, and I only teach through experience. I would, I never teach anything that I read in a book that I haven't experienced personally. So I think that's the number one. Number two, I would say, um, would be to 
come, like we offer so much here, like show up on the Sunday school zoom calls, join my lunation sessions. There's a Facebook group now of like probably 70 or 80 people in that Facebook group that we're commenting, we're sharing stories, we're sharing experiences. Um, any way that you can, especially now there's so much digital community available. You have to engage with it though. You can't be an outlier. And for me, I started modern mystic underscore tarot, which I've changed the, the handle now, but because I didn't know anyone in my city at the time, now I have a whole community. Isn't that crazy? I started an anonymous Instagram handle in like 2014 because or 13 maybe, because I didn't know anybody that was the tarot into this stuff. And now we've got a whole community of folks, which is not mind blowing. But I found people uh, through Instagram actually. And like, you know, like Bridget from Biddy Tarot, like met her on Instagram. And then we actually met up in real life in a, um, at a conference and like Ethany, same thing. I started like creating, um, and engaging with other people on Instagram and created these virtual friendships that then turned into phone calls that then turned into collaborations. So you only get in as you only, I guess, get out as much as you put in. And so I would say, uh, engage. And then I don't know, this always works for me. Prayer. <laughs> I like to pray. And like, there was a time where, uh, it was not that far before, before we opened the store where I just sort of like said to the universe, like I need friends and community to show up or I'm leaving here. So like, I, I pray a lot and I was like, please give me friends. And it was like, not that long after where, like I got this random call from somebody and, and then she, she's like, I'm starting this women's group. Do you want to join us here in Atlanta? And it was like Amy Bransford from the aviary and like all of those folks, like I met some of my best friends through that now. Um, so I would say don't underestimate the power of prayer, uh, in that too. Those would be my tips. Not, a, I don't know if it's a hot take, but <laughs> I love that. And I think the biggest thing, um, I hope that, and it was Emily J Doyle who asked that, that you hear from Kelly's response is that everyone experiences that, um, there yeah. can be something really equalizing about remembering that everyone feels that way at some point. Um, so you're not alone. Sure. No, not at all. You're we got right. a good question that actually we get all the time, uh, in what? the store. It's from, uh, Hey, Mariel Lee. She says, is there any way to mess up your rituals and attract negative energies mm. instead of positive ones? I'm new to rituals and love the road opener, but I'm afraid that I'm going to mess it up. So I would say, Oh, again, I wish uh, Brandon is like the other half of my brain. Um, I would say if you follow the directions of the ritual, exactly, you will not mess it up. I will say that if you set a very clear intention and boundaries prior to the ritual, you will not mess it up. I will say that you're less likely to mess it up or have an undesired outcome if you can really center yourself um, or pull cards or whatever when you're, like we discussed before, creating your target of, of what, you're, what you're going after in the ritual. However, I want to dispel the fear around like negative energy. And I want to invite you, and this is unpopular. Kirsten knows I've got so many unpopular opinions. I'm so afraid to get canceled, you guys, because I've got so many unpopular opinions. But I would say that should you attract a quote unquote negative energy, 
first of all, I would say, you know, the magical practitioner has a neutral position on energies and that um, good and bad doesn't really exist. It's just levels of vibration, high to low. And low vibration doesn't necessarily mean bad, necessarily. And I would say that things to remember are number one in the 3D, not in the astral, but like in the 3D where we really reside, uh, we are the most dominant energy on this plane. And so I don't actually believe that um, anything can really hurt you energetically. Like I am more afraid of a human being like attacking me, you know, like that than like a, like a negative energy, um, the lower energy. Um, also remember that you have free will. And so like, I don't really necessarily think in 99.9% of the cases, like you can get overtaken or possessed or anything weird like that. Um, you can be influenced by a negative energy, but you cannot, like they cannot do anything or like make you do anything. Um, and I would say that there is value in having quote unquote negative encounters with energy because it will help you sure up your discernment. And like, how do you know, how do you know how to discern between the light and the dark or the, the different levels of these uh, of vibrational frequencies if you never have those experiences? And so like, I've, I actually shared this today with, with the client I was working with, like I've had like actual, like um, for many months, like an energetic attachment that I was not aware of that was part of like, that was really kind of, influencing me and sort of felt like this like drape over me before I even knew what some of this stuff was. And um, I had hope to kind of like separate from it, but I wouldn't trade that experience because now I feel super confident engaging with like any sort of energy on the astral, like no matter whether they're wherever they are on that spectrum from low to high vibration and also learning this modality with, um, with the reunion process, I mean, basically I'm an energetic trash, trash collector and I'm going after, after what they call literally monsters. Like they call them that like monsters, energetic attachments, um, demonic, like they call it demon. De well, that's a whole other unpopular opinion, but like demonic energies, like all of this stuff. And when you, when you invite them so that you can confront them, then you realize that they are generally like lost souls. And so like in my modality, in my energy modality, every time at the end, like when we clear them, we transmute them into like a high vibrational being. And they're so grateful. Do you know, they're like, Oh, thank, like they're so grateful and they're actually transmuted. So like when you're not afraid, you can actually be in service to all beings to help them like transmute and, and come and, and, and clear. So I don't know that that's a popular opinion to say like bring it on dark forces, but like I know you can handle it and it's a it's part of the human experience to be able to traverse and navigate just like you learn how to navigate like the asshole at the grocery store and like your best friend and everything in between. I, I feel like it's very similar. I don't know. What do you think, Kirsten? No, that's great. And what comes to me is actually advice that came from Brandon uh, when I first started doing his class, um, which I think is digital now, moved Yeah, to he's online. starting to enroll spiritual so, self-mastery. Yeah. yeah. If you're interested in learning more about ritual and how to navigate it and you want someone who's going to be able to like really hold your hand through that process, yeah. I really recommend um, doing that uh, yeah. because I also had a lot of fear because I come from like, you know, fear-based religion. Um, yeah. And so 
I asked him that same question and he told me, it's not, you don't need more protection. You need more authority. Yeah. That was a really important thing to remember that I don't need to keep protecting myself from the world. It's about having that personal power to say, yeah. I can handle whatever happens. Um, yes. So That's yeah, if much you have more questions about ritual and you're feeling like, check out the spiritual self mastery because it, it really makes a difference. Um, for sure. Let's for do sure. one more question because sure. it's a question that we get all the time. Um, okay. Before you opened your store, what signs did you receive <laughs> that you were on the right track? How long did it take you to go from, oh, this is a cool idea to opening the doors? Yeah. So I, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier. It was very fast. Uh, I feel like I need to be responsible when relaying this information because it doesn't always happen so fast for folks, but I am like, a, I'm learning that I'm a pretty instantaneous uh, magnetizer for what I want. Um, and so, you know, it was an idea probably a few months before I did the road opener ritual that I mentioned, and then it came into fruition, you know, six weeks later. I'm not saying that that's like the normal way that things work for folks, but I will say what that taught me was to not assume that things have to take a certain amount of time. I think a lot of times when we're working on our plans and our manifestations, it's like, okay, like our, our intellectual mind comes on board and says, well, you know, I've seen this person do this thing or that thing, and it's going to have to take five years or whatever. And that was my sort of my five-year plan was to maybe open this kind of business. And then it happened within like weeks or months. And so um, that was just my learning was like, I, it really helped me uh, lift these limiting beliefs of time and space and how it, and the sequence of things were like, it can all happen simultaneously, uh, for you in a quick way. As far as signs, I, I feel like the money showing up, the real estate showing up, like everything falling in line to where there was really zero resistance to getting open. Those were my signs there. It wasn't like I had to like overcome things or, I mean, it was challenging in the sense that I'd never done it before and I didn't know how, I mean, I don't even have a retail background. So it was challenging to figure out the more tactical and logistical aspects of sourcing products and stocking and buying and all of that stuff. Um, but really the signs for me was like all of the open doors from, I guess the road, the road was open from the ritual. Right. And so I was able to like coast right through. So, um, but prior to the store, I was so funny. Like these questions, I feel like I'm like deja vu. Cause I, I feel like I covered a lot of this with my last client right before this. So this is so funny. But for me, like with signs, my intuitive abilities started mostly with signs. So like probably more like 10 or 12 years ago, it was, it, it was like, um, numbers, like seeing 1111, a lot of people had that experience where like 1111 was stalking me everywhere. Then it started to get a little more physical, like chills. Like I would get just chills on one side of my body when something was like a yes so I, I made it very far in, in my intuitive life with just following number signs. And to me, the 1111 meant you're on the right track. To me, that was just like, it's like I'm running the marathon and they're like, keep going, you know? And then the chills was more of my binary yes, no. Like, do I do this? Do I not do this? Is what I'm saying, you know, like in alignment. Um, and so those were kind of like the first signs that I started getting as a 
as I started opening up to more intuitive and psychic information. And then, you know, very quickly got more refined, but I mean, you can make it real far with just asking for signs. Um, I mean, yeah, like, uh, I don't know if Nate said this on the podcast that he was on, but like he was asking one time, he's like, I want to see, I think it was like a cardinal or something. I need to see a cardinal, you know, and within a, a couple hours, there it is. So I would say also you can actually ask for signs instead of waiting for them to present themselves. Yes. It never hurts to ask, right? Um, ask for what you need. I know it's amazing. Like that's, I don't know that I shared the story before, but, um, when we were trying to get the money for, uh, to get the products for good morning America, you know, I tried all the like normal ways. And then I just stood in front of my altar, my ancestor altar. And I was like, grandpa, you gotta make it happen. Like I've, I've exhausted all of my, like, ways that I know to do things. And wouldn't you know, within like two hours, I had like tens of thousands of dollars, like almost a hundred thousand dollars offered to me. So you got to ask, like, there's so many allies that we have, um, unseen and seen allies that, um, like they'll step up, especially if you do the ritual work, I find like, especially like with the ancestral altars and like you make those, what I call them, I don't know, other people might call them the same thing, but like these energy links, like you got to maintain the energy links with the ancestors or with the spirits. That's why we do like offerings and the altars. Like if you can maintain those energy links, then when you need something and like it's the channel and the the, you've already put laid in the track for them to kind of like send it to you or yeah, think about like track, like you're laying like a railroad track or whatever the tracks built so they can like send it your way as opposed to like the first time you try to do anything, you're making that big ask, you know? So that's why I think altars are so important. It's like, it's maintaining those energy links. I love that. And that seems like a perfect place to end and ask me anything okay. with uh, reminding people that just to ask for what you need. Um, it never hurts to ask. No, this is fun. I yeah, this, this was great. Fun. Thank you everyone on Instagram live for, uh, for joining us today. Thank you for our zoom loyalists over here. Um, we'll be back at this. I think next Sunday we've got an extra credit episode, which are these fun interviews that Kelly's been doing with, uh, some of her mystical, uh, friends, just asking them all these great questions about themselves and their lives. Um, and then the week after that, we'll be back with Astrofem talking to us about another astrology course. Um, you guys love this astrology stuff. So we're yes. going to keep, keep putting the content out there. Uh, thank you everyone for being here and I hope you have a great Sunday. Thank you, Kelly, for being yeah, here for thanks. your time. That was fun. Um, yeah. And so thanks All for right. being here. Have a good one. Bye everyone. Bye y'all. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.